Welcome to another episode of Let's Discuss It Podcast. I'm sitting here with Tabitha Smith. You know, I want to say we actually had a discussion before um, before we actually turned on the mics and everything about the day that I actually saw a, a post that she had made on Facebook about, you know, something that went on in her life that completely turned everything around where she had to make a complete turnaround. And so I want to get into all those discussions as far as, you know, addiction and anything else that can come with it. And uh, we're just going to go through it and just kind of have a good time talking about it. And, you know, hopefully this will help somebody or, you know, in the future, you know, change people's lives as well. How are you doing today? I'm good. So tell me this. When you did, when you did that post that day, we'll, we'll get into the actual story. But when you did that post that day, how nerve-wracking was it to show people? Because, you know, sometimes people will say, you know, oh, this is a uh, this is a glow up, or oh, this is progress. But like for you, how was it that day? Hmm. Uh, it wasn't that hard. I remember um, a friend that I was eating with that night. Uh, he showed me his mugshot, and I was like, "Ooh, I wonder what mom looks like." Mm-hmm. And I went back, and I we, I remember sitting at Los Portales. And I just started crying. Um, I knew I had lost a whole lot of weight, but whenever you don't have any makeup covering up your face and how bad it looks, um, it, it's pretty it's pretty bad. Um, but I, I love to be transparent, as honest as possible, um, because I, I I lied a whole lot back in my addiction and. I just didn't want to do that anymore, so I just felt like it was my duty to show myself and tell what, you know, happened. So when you when you saw that mugshot of yourself, and, you know, sometimes people can look back, and, you know, sometimes Facebook memories, you get on there, and you're looking like, ooh, Lord, like, what was I wearing? Or, oh, my God, look how much I've changed. Like, how big of a realization was that? I know you said you cried, but, like, how long did you sit on that thought of what you saw that day? Because it had to have been nerve-wracking, right? Or just, like, you had to be a little shaky or a little, yeah. you know, as far as, like, coming a long way. Like, that's got to be a little, you know, a little emotional. Yeah. Um, I remember just being in disbelief at how far down I'd gone. Because whenever I was younger... You know, I, I swore I'd never drink smoke because my mom was this big smoker. My dad suffered from alcoholism, too. And uh, all of a sudden, here I am looking at my mugshot, you know. But it was it's a very empowering feeling seeing my after picture, you know, right next to my before picture. And I don't know. I, it fe- It honestly felt good. So... You know, when you're younger, you have this aspect of think that you're, you're going to kind of see into the future on things that you know that you just... Because you, sometimes you see people, like you said, your mom and your dad. Me, me as well. My mom smoked like, like, a, like a freight train, and my dad did drink. You know, I've, I've openly been open about that. They have been open about it. And um, so you kind of see how people suffer through what they suffer through, um, whether it's mental, you know, mental or physically or whatever. Um, when you saw that growing up, and then you saw yourself kind of tapping into it as you were an adult. What got you started on the drugs that you were on? 
um, being unhappily married. You know, I got married. I was 17. I was almost 18. Mm. I was six months pregnant. And uh, we got married three days before my senior year of high school. Wow. So In high school and married. I don't think I've ever heard that. It's crazy. Um, we lasted six years, and I think for such a young couple, you know, that was pretty good. Uh, but I just I missed out on the partying. And whenever I was unhappy in my marriage, I felt tied down by my kids, honestly. Yeah. Um, so when we got divorced, it was actually before we got divorced because I caused – I pretty much caused our divorce. Um, were you intentionally trying to end that marriage purposely as far as being, I know you said you were unhappy, but was there anything that you were self-destructing in that sense, you mean, when you say that you kind of caused a divorce? Or was there wrongs on his end that kind of led you to? I'm, you know, I'm not 100% sure that he was ever unfaithful. Right. But there's a few signs that pointed you know I remember finding a piece of paper ripped off piece of paper it was written in Spanish I I didn't take Spanish you know um and it I didn't know what it meant uh so I messaged it looked like it's in girl's handwriting so I messaged a friend of mine who knew it and I was like hey tell me what this means and uh he said it says my heart belongs to you forever my love Mm. And I confronted him about it, and the story was he wanted to know what some song lyrics look like in Spanish. And he had his buddy at work write it down for him. And I'm sorry, that just, that made no sense to me. Right. Um, but by the time we, that all started happening, like, I had resented him so much. Because, I, honestly, I was being selfish. Um, he was going to school to better his life. It's what I thought. You know, he was wanting to better ours. Yeah. Um, but all I could see was him becoming what he, who he wants to be. And here I am stuck at home with two kids. Yeah. Becoming you know? a housewife, you know, because a lot of times when you have that traditional, what they would call a traditional marriage, you know, the mm-hmm. wife, the housewife, and then the man that provides – when you have that traditional marriage, a lot of times, if just a little cra- like a little crack in that foundation will cause you to become super resentful because you mm-hmm. feel like your life not I'm not a, I don't want to say wasting away, but that's the best way I can kind of put it is that a lot of women think that when you are sitting at home and you're being supportive and you're you know you're supporting your husband you know bettering because when you think of them bettering themselves, you think they're better in your situation as well because you're a team you know you're married mm-hmm. and you had a family. And a lot of people, if the if there's a selfish nature peeping through that man or that husband, then the woman's like, what am I doing here? Like, he's doing this for himself. Like, he can leave tomorrow, and what am I stuck with? You know, I haven't worked in however many years. You know, I got kids. Mm-hmm. You know, he's going to, you know, here I am sitting back, and he's doing all these things to prosper, and I'm just sitting here. So th- I can see where the resent will become, you know, more apparent for you towards yeah. him. Um, so when you got to that point where you were, I don't want to say self-destructing the marriage, but when you got to that point where you're already there, um, what was the final nail in there as far as like moving towards the addiction? 
the divorce, um, when it will actually, whenever I got my kids taken away. Right. Uh, and I didn't have them taken away, but that that's what my ego wants to, you know, it, it comes in and like you, you feel like the biggest piece of shit and all I could think is I'm, I'm better than this, but I, I don't know what to do. Um, but yeah, I, um, he kind of conned me into letting him bring the kids to Alamo schools because they're better schools than Milan. And I don't know what his intentions really were, mm-hmm. but in my mind, he was just trying to get them, you know, have reasons to get them. Right. And he was dating this girl who is now his wife. She is awesome. And my kids love her. Mm-hmm. And uh, okay. I've been doing that a lot here lately. It's okay. Okay, what was I saying? All right, yes. So um, they were living here in Alamo, or in Alamo, and he, I get these papers one day. No, I think he just, him and his dad, they suggested we do a three-day, four-day split. Right. And living in Milan and taking them to Alamo, sometimes I was late, you know. I guess some people call that irresponsible. And uh, so I was, like, out partying some, drinking, Mm -hmm. um, but I hadn't gotten to the drugs yet. And, uh. But they saw pictures of me with a beer in my hand and said that I was unfit, mm-hmm. pretty much. And maybe they just saw something coming that I didn't. I don't know. Well, you know, when it comes to as far as like, I want—I don't want to say, I don't know if y'all went to court or went to, you know, the, do the court system to do the whole parenting time and stuff. When I went to my legal battle with my daughter, and of course it's open now, and I've, I've openly discussed this, the worst thing about going through that when you have kids is every little thing that you do you can't have a social life on social media and be going through that at the same time because it will literally be nitpicked it will be used against you it will be brought up it will be an advantage for the whoever has it on you uh you don't know who to trust you don't know who your friends are you would literally think that you're around a group of or you know a circle of people that you know you're just trying to have a good time you're trying to you know, not stress about things. You're just trying to get your mind off and they could be the ones taking pictures and sending it to people to get you in the position that you're in mm-hmm. unknowingly to you that that's the person that's causing the issues. Um, so when you say that, Oh, well, I've been late and you know, some people call that irresponsible. Absolutely. I've heard, I personally have seen that personally with my kid's mom. I have seen that, you know, said about me and they don't realize that things could happen. I mean, whether it's, partying the night before or your car battery didn't start it doesn't matter like there's got to be some understanding on that sense that oh well you were three minutes late or you were seven or eight minutes late okay and there's no reasoning and understanding between two people who are already going neck to neck so mm-hmm. it's already um it's already a confrontation at the at the most so they just you know, she's not here you know so it's kind of yeah. it starts out like that um so when you say you got your kids taken away was that before the drugs, or was that one of those things that it was just a parenting time conflict? Um, 
I had, let me see. I had tried cocaine. Okay. I hadn't gone to the other yet. Um, and I wasn't on that for long, honestly, because the come down made me want to blow my brains out. Yeah. I don't know if it was the chemicals in it or if it was just my mother instinct saying, you're a piece of shit. Maybe a mixture of both, probably. Yeah. But, um, yes, I was, I did cocaine every once in a while, and I remember being in my lawyer's office, and I told them the truth, you know. I was like, look, I tried some cocaine, but we were getting ready to go to um, mediation, mm-hmm. which he wanted me to have the kids every other weekend let's see, Friday, and bring them to school Monday morning, and then the following Thursday. Then I wouldn't see them till the next Friday. Mm -hmm. Um, And that just killed me. Um, So I partied a little bit more, but then I realized that I'm, I'm screwing up, and so I start doing better for a little while. Yeah. And uh, I meet this guy, um, and I told him, I was like, I've heard about your past. I don't know if I need to get involved with that um, because I'm definitely trying to do better. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm doing better too, you know. Um, went to the bar, get a couple drinks in you, and he's like, hey, you want some cocaine? I'm like, yeah. You know, it. it you start drinking. If you're an alcoholic addict, whatever, you – like, you swear you would never do it. You uh-huh. know, you have very good reason not to do it, but you take that drink, and it's like, oh, yeah, let's do some Coke. It's like a you segue to the, yeah. to the harder stuff. And do you feel like do you feel like that guy was a perfect enabler as far as, like, because sometimes people can be functioning alcoholics, and you just you wouldn't really just know it because they're functioning, right? Yeah. And, um, when you felt like, after all that, with your husband, and you're just kind of just – kind of getting your way back, you know, getting your feet back on the ground, and you meet someone that you feel like you can trust because you feel like that, you know, when they're telling you, oh, I'm doing better too, you know, I know what you heard about, but I'm doing better too, and you feel like, okay, now I'm in a safe space because now I got someone I can relate to now who's doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we can work on this together along with getting to know each other, you know, possibly something coming out of it. And so when you realize that day that it was still a monkey on his back, and so he offered that to you, and you and you did it right. Mm-hmm. So did it get worse from there? Did y'all do it most? You know. Oh, it, it well, the quote unquote cocaine that he had was really meth. Yeah. And I remember saying, "This doesn't look like cocaine." He's like, "That's why it's so good." Hmm. He called it grade A cocaine, and. So he lays out this hog leg of a line, and I snort the thing, and my nose starts bleeding, and the back of my head feels like it's on fire. Right. And I come up, and I was like, that's not cocaine. I don't know what it is, but that ain't cocaine. Were you scared at all? Because I know you've you've done the cocaine before. Yeah. But now this is something that you're completely unaware of. Were you scared at all? I was. Did you think you were going to die or anything? No. No, it just, it burned really bad, Um, and I was very upset and pissed. Um, I smacked him and ran out the door and went home, and this was a night that I had my kids, so my brother was living there with me, and 
he was, you know, I would leave after the kids fell asleep and uh, come back a little bit, like, so I can get some sleep or just take them straight to school whenever I come in, you know. So whenever he told me what it was, he said it was ice. And I was like, I don't what what's ice? Yeah. He's like, it's the clean form of meth. I was like, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know, know there was, was a clean yeah. form, you know? <laughs> I didn't know that meth was clean, but go ahead. <laughs> um, so got upset, smacked him, went home, lived right down the road from him. And uh, whenever I got home, I noticed, I was like, oh, man, I'm feeling amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had a very nice breakfast cooked for my kids when they woke up. I was, I had the kitchen cleaned, you know, it gave me this boost of energy and this euphoric feeling and I was hooked instantly. So is that really true about when people say you're always trying to catch your first high? Is that really true? Pretty much. Um, you don't lose that. Like it gradually takes more and more. Okay. Like I got good and high off of a small amount for a couple of years and mm-hmm. then gradually it just started taking more and more i still didn't get up to huge quantities you know like some people have talked about um but i started out snorting it and in my mind i'm not a junkie because i'm not shooting it in my veins right or smoking it which is when you think when you think of meth that's what i think is when people are shooting it up on mm-hmm. you know with the spoon and or is that crack i, I don't know which one that's the same thing. both okay so oh, crack, um, no, I think heroin and meth can be done that heroin, way. Heroin, that's what I'm thinking yeah. about. I'm sorry. Um, so when you're doing, so as that goes on, since now you've gotten, you, you went home that, that morning after that happened the first time, and then you just had this whole boost of energy and it's euphoric and you're on a high and, you know, you're doing all this. Does that um, situationship between you and that person continue? And was that something that y'all were indulging in together? Uh... Yes, I, you know, I went back there. No, I called him. I was like, hey, I'm not even trying to get back with you, but I want some more. Mm -hmm. Um, I I hated him for giving that to me, but I was calling him for more because I hadn't gotten my people yet. You Mm -hmm. know, I don't know who all does this shit. And uh, so, yeah, we, we carried on a relationship for maybe a month or so after that because, you know, I gave in yeah um to your like you when you were going through withdrawals you gave in mm-hmm, to your, pretty much how yeah. bad how bad were the withdrawals well withdrawals i, I don't know if i'd call it wi- coming down okay um the come down for me was not as bad as it was on cocaine um so that's why i liked it even more because it didn't make me feel like shit right all i had to do was whenever i felt myself coming down a little bit do some more and I was great you know um now eventually it that doesn't work anymore but uh so he um on my birthday I don't know what I think it maybe 27 I think I was Mm -hmm. and uh he was supposed to come out that night and he decided not to And I went out anyway with some friends, came to his house, pissed off, drunk. And actually, I got, yeah, a friend of mine dropped me off because I was that drunk. I couldn't drive. And I went in, and 
he had his stash sitting out on the coffee table and him and his buddy were doing stuff, you know? Right. And I was like, oh, so you chose this over me, you know? And not realizing that it, it had him really good already. Right. You know, he's been doing it for years at that time. But, um... I remember just being, even if I wasn't high, being around someone high is just, I, I don't know, it's a weird situation. Is it almost to that aspect of when you're seeing addiction full-blown like that, as far as like doing meth and all the stuff that was going on, um, you didn't feel more out of place, right? Like it was kind of like, well, you can go here and you wouldn't be judged for doing it because they're doing it too, right? Yeah. Um, when you got into that small group of friends, especially his, like you said, he had a, it was him and somebody else there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, was that a segue into letting yourself kind of in, like be more comfortable with saying, okay, it's not that bad. They're, I mean, mm-hmm. they're still doing it and yeah. they seem to be doing, you know, common stuff throughout the day or wh- whatever their job may be or whatever. Mm-hmm. But now that you're kind of already in this predicament and you're in those situations, what was the part that really got to you to where you're like, okay, did anything happen between you and that guy? That could, I mean, are, did, how long did that last until it, it pushed you into actually doing the meth consistently? Mm, well, we didn't like, he cheated on me with his ex-girlfriend, broke my heart. Um, so at that point, I think I had met a couple of people who, had it so I didn't have to go through him anymore okay so you found out you found another um, I found another person who I could get it from yes okay now now when it comes to people like that like they're very small now mind you I, everyone has in every town you've ever lived in like me and Crockett everyone knew who sold weed you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying I didn't know anybody who sold cocaine or meth or whatever I've never seen that I don't even know what it looks like in person I just know what weed looks like so I'm not if I was a bed man, I'd say if you're going to try to find out what those things are, you're going to have to hear it from other people, from other people, from other people, because that's just not something that's just really out there unless you're all about buying it consistently. Because then, they're, you know, they're going to want your money and your business. So mm-hmm. um, when you find that when you find that new plug to um, satisfy your addiction, um, what was then from there? Since now you don't need this middleman guy that you were with. You just start meeting more and more people like. It, it's a huge circle. Um, you don't realize it at the time. Uh, I do know that sometimes I'll um, know some, I'll be friends with somebody on Facebook, and I'll see who their mutual friends are, and mm-hmm. instantly, because I'll see their profile picture, I'm like, oh Lord, you know, she looks like she's struggling, mm-hmm. and I uh, look at her mutual friends, and it, it's just a you instantly know what they're up to right. because they're, they have the same friends you have. And it's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just met more and more people, uh, started having to do it more. So eventually I started smoking it okay. and I liked that feeling better, but it took a whole lot more to get high. Right. Um, it seemed that way anyway. And little things like, I, hell, I kept a toothbrush and toothpaste on me all the time, scope, and I'd brush my teeth at least 10 times a day whenever I started smoking, thinking that that was going to help. Um, 
not knowing, you know, it, it all comes from the inside. That's right. how that happens. But, yeah, I mean, I did everything to hide it. Um, I've, I've always been a small person, but so that whenever someone says, girl, you're small, all I had to say was I've always been small, mm-hmm. you know, until I got too small, you know, 94 pounds soaking wet. Oh, my goodness. At the end, it was, it was awful. So when you did that drastic weight loss, I mean, you see yourself every day. Did you see yourself change? Because, you know, that's the that's question a lot of people say. They're like, well, can they not see that they're looking a lot different than what they used to be? Like, I mean, you saw yourself in the mirror every day. So well, did you see yourself changing at all? Or, I mean. Very, it was vague to me. Because um, I had, let's see, whenever that big change happened, I was – I just had my fourth child. Mm. So that kind of tells you right there. Um, I used till I was seven months pregnant. Wow. And the baby's fine. Baby's fine. Even though, like, sometimes she'll have, um, we had to take her to Vanderbilt to get her bladder looked at, you know, and because she was having so many bladder issues, UTIs, whatnot, and all I could think about was I did that, mm-hmm. you know, even though it, that most likely isn't the case. I'm sure it's not, but like, that's all I could think about. Yeah. Um, but she's very smart, Yeah. you know, and. Tell you somebody, thank, somebody's looking out. Yeah. That, thank that's God. That's almost unheard of. I've, I, I'm, I'm grateful that that all worked out for you. Um, yeah. Where did the money come from to buy that? Because you're you're an addict at this point, so to feed it, but you still have to work, right? I mean, uh-huh. you still have to provide yourself and the well, kids. See that all that was before Hannah, my mm-hmm. fourth child. So I worked, um, but I was partying more, and I started calling into work. Um, I started like there's a couple times I woke up not knowing where the hell I was, mm. not knowing where my purse or my car is. That's such a bad feeling and I have to be at work in an hour and I reek of the bar and I haven't eaten uh, like it I'm a mess yeah and finally one day well no they didn't fire me over it but it they were like something ain't right with you um it was actually another day like that where I had to be in in an hour and I was rushing to find everything and uh, I called, and my excuse was my neighbor just called someone is robbing me. Like, at that moment, like, yeah. you come up with all these elaborate stories. And, I mean, looking back, it made zero sense. <laughs> zero sense. So even, so even looking back, all right, so you, you're making excuses to, to hide everything that's going on to the, to the sense, right? Mm-hmm. And then you look back at, the opportunities like the job at the, for instance did you lose any friends over it any like core friends that you had before this all happened that's that maybe would have stuck by you uh maybe you pushed them away in some sense luckily i have really good friends you know who will do anything for me mm-hmm. um i did work with this girl and uh she's 
I don't know. I used to think she was a bitch, but it's, <laughs> it's just her personality. You know, yeah. she's a real smart ass a lot of the times. It's <laughs> a little passive aggressive. Yes, <laughs> yes. And I walked in one day, and I had makeup on and everything. Like, it was, uh, to me, I looked good that day. Right. But she looked at me, you on that shit, ain't you? And I was like, no, what are you talking about? So, whenever she started noticing the change in me, her attitude toward me started changing. Mm-hmm. Rightfully so, because I'm pretty sure a family member or someone she knows really well suffered from it. So, yeah. she could see it from a mile away. Mm-hmm. And uh, People are a little more sensitive to, to that in, in nature, you know, because yeah. it's something, especially if you never went through it before, like, that's why this whole thing just, inter- like, I, to the sense of, when I see someone dealing with that, I can never imagine how hard that is on somebody, whether it's mental, like what they're going through in the moment, you know, what's put them there. Uh, you know, sometimes people are isolated, they're depressed, um, they become uh, very reclusive. Uh, and often more than some, like some people, they're so reclusive that you don't even realize half the time that something's going on with them because they don't interact with people like that. Yeah. Um, with you being so like you know with your job and stuff and people were starting to notice did it click in your head like okay is there is, is there a problem i mean i obviously you know you had a problem because you were addicted to it but like did that push you towards like trying to conceal a lot of it more or yes okay um i ended up leaving that job i had to go to somewhere better mm. um and that was my favorite job it was at the man cave and it, mm. it was it was awesome. You know, the clients got a beer. Um, not the polished man cave, but the one it's not that is glow salon is where okay. it's at. Yeah. And uh but we had our own suites, a TV in there. I mean, it was just awesome. I felt very high class. Yeah. Um working in a good environment. Yes, a very good environment. But that didn't help me out. I just I'm one of those people, um, I don't really, I never got drunk whenever things were going bad. Mm-hmm. When things were going good, I want to uh, treat myself, so I'll go and screw everything up again. You know, right. that's me. Um, I'm kind of lost again. No, that's fine. As far as when you were going through that, where was your parents and all this? Well, because that's mom, usually the kind of yes. My my mother, she was killed in a car accident when I was fourteen, okay. well, almost fourteen, and that most likely has a whole lot to do with my addiction. Right. Um, my dad offered to get me in counseling. He didn't know what to say. He was suffering too. Mm-hmm. He felt so much guilt because was he part of the car wreck? No, my brother was. Okay. Um, oh, I totally forgot what I was just going to say. Your dad was suffering. Yes. Um, so, yeah, he didn't know what to say. It. He, he's not good in those situations. Like, he used to tell me, he's like, oh, you can tell me anything. If you need to talk, I'm here. But whenever I would go talk to him about something, he'd get pissed off. Because he didn't want me going through whatever I was going through or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Very protective. Um, so, but I never got the counseling. Um, the thing that made me feel best was the fact that I was popular right. all of a sudden. Because everyone felt sorry for me. Right. And I didn't think that at the time. I was just like, oh, 
well, I'm just kind of part of the crowd now. But after we all, because I was in eighth grade, we all went to high school and I wasn't so popular anymore. And so there started some behaviors, attention seeking, um, people pleasing. Mm -hmm. You just want to be cool. Um, You've ever done anything out of pocket to try to fit in? Like when it came to partying and. No, um, I never partied in high school. Okay. Um, I was a pretty good kid. I did get pregnant in high school, so, you know. <laughs> but other than that, um, yeah, I tried cigarettes. I never, like back then, I didn't know how to inhale. Uh-huh. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Looking back, it's funny now. But. Yeah, um. And uh, I tried a sip of Sky Blue, I think is what it was called. But I just didn't have any interest in it at that point. Right. When you were dealing with your mother's passing and you didn't get the counseling, what hit you the most? What made you more? I mean, obviously losing a parent, it's probably the toughest thing. I don't know what I would do if I lose my mom today or my dad today because they're very, very much a part of my life, you know. And... So to deal with that at such a young age before you go into a big step like high school, because believe it or not, high school is the most humbling experience for people in general because you're pretty much baby between kindergarten to eighth grade. You're not really hitting life. I mean, you're kind of – you think you're grown. You think you can make decisions. Oh, you know, I'm going to stay out a little later. Oh, I'm going to hit the cigarette or take a swig of this beer. But, like, high school would literally um, put you on that humble ride to tell you where you're going. Mm-hmm. And – uh you know, it's one of those things that a lot of teenagers, they become socially awkward from it. Uh, some people will prosper from it. Um, so when you were dealing with that, along with going into a setting that's completely unfamiliar than what you're used to, um, where did, did, like, were you able to ever kind of move past any of the stuff that you were going through? Because you couldn't talk to your dad. Yeah. You know, because I'm sure it's because he probably didn't know what to say. I'm, yeah. You know, that's because my dad's the same way. Yeah. I told my dad, I said, listen. Why didn't you give me the sex talk when I was a kid? You know, he's like, well, I never got it. So how am I going to get I don't know what to tell you. I yeah. don't. I mean, I, I don't know how to approach you. You didn't come to me. I'm like, yeah, because I was scared. What do you want me to do? You know, I didn't want you to know what I was doing. But, you know, same thing with, like, anything else. Like, m- you know, my dad is not good at expressing feelings. Like, you know, we weren't hugging each other and stuff like that. So I was like, why didn't you do that? He's like, well, I mean, I didn't get that either. So I really, I'm not blaming anybody. I'm just saying, like, it was unfamiliar to me, so how can I pass that along if I myself never experienced it? So um, when you're in high school and you're dealing with that, did you um, kind of come face-to-face with your maybe depression about your mom? Mm. You know what? I don't... Or did it just get easier as time went on? It depends. Like, this last year, I mean, it's been 20 years since she passed. And it hit me hard. Mm -hmm. Like, it happened yesterday. But I don't remember being just super depressed. Because I had friends around. And I have the best friends ever. We're crazy as hell. And we were always laughing. Always. So, I don't really remember being too depressed in high school um the only thing that 
really just scared me. I worried about my dad Mm -hmm. because he was an alcoholic, and I know certain things trigger that. I didn't understand it then, but I definitely understand it now. Um, Do you have any siblings? I have a brother, yes. We have different dads. Okay. Yeah. And he was... He was around when all this happened, maybe? How old is he? He, oh my God, he is about to be 42. Okay. I think. Old ass. And where was he at? <laughs> <laughs> I hope he hears Oh this. God, he's 10 years older than me. Well, I'm 33, but. <laughs> so he's old, I'm old, so we're getting there. <laughs> all right, what was that? Next where, was he, where was he at during all this? He had actually gotten his shit together. Um, with the help of one of my best friends since middle school, it was really weird at first. I, um, I told her. <laughs> she date your brother or something? Well, her <laughs> and her brother and I, we got drunk and messed around some. And I yeah. thought we both agreed not to tell her because I was like, it's going to make it weird. Well, I get good and drunk one night and I'm like, guess what? Uh. <laughs> Even the classic scenario of it. Right? <laughs> I'm like, your brother is just awesome. And she was like, what? And she, I just went into detail. And <laughs> she was like, okay, well, I'm going to date your brother. And we laughed it off. But they went, they started dating that night or soon after. And hmm. she's been the best thing for him. It's kind of weird because I'm starting to wonder if they – literally carried it from that day there's probably a little bit of in between before that conversation happened you think i don't know and that kind of always you just i think that it. was the first night they met oh they met that night okay yeah i'm pretty sure okay because yeah i thought my brother was trying to get me to find a friend for him to <laughs> to, <laughs> to hang around i don't know <laughs> and uh i'm like well my friend christine's coming i'll see if i can get somebody else to come out and they're together now? Worked out. Yeah, they're married. That's awesome. They uh, bought a house a few years ago. Um, Damn. Yeah. That is crazy how life will turn that around, wouldn't it? Yeah. Because, like, now that's, you know, and now that he's gotten his, you know, you say he got his shit together. What was his problem? Oh, he just, Tony liked to party mm-hmm. um, back in the day, and, like, he had, bought a business and it was just alcohol he never did anything else you know he just had a good time Mm -hmm. and uh but yeah it was never a problem for him okay so he can just put it down yeah whenever so it was it almost sounds like he's a social drinker or something like that because i've known many people who wouldn't drink at home at all wouldn't touch it and then they're out in the restaurant i'll I'll get a i'll get a beer Mm -hmm. and so you have people like that yeah um at the height of your addiction, where was the situation with your ex-husband and your kids at, at the time, at the height of it? So, he was married. Mm-hmm. Um, at that time, they had two boys together. And, let's see, I was living here in Jackson, um, blowing through my inheritance money. Mm-hmm. And they were suspicious, but they just, they didn't know, you know, because, well, his wife, I mean, I think she notices signs, but nothing was ever said to me. Right. 
Now, my dad, on the other hand, he was pissed that I moved to Jackson, the location mainly, but Jackson, period. Mm-hmm. And uh, he called my ex-husband and said, um, you need to come get these kids. I don't want them where she's living. Right. It really wasn't a bad area. I mean, it was a nice street right down from Hollywood Drive, though. You know? Oh. So, oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Any street off Hollywood. Yeah. He was suspect. livid. He he come to me cussing. You know, that's where that damn locksmith was killed, right down there. Mm-hmm. And scared the kids. And, uh, but I, I don't know. Um, we just, we were as civil as we could be. I was very jealous of his wife at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, because here I am majorly screwing my life up and here she is they're in church every time the doors are open you know they're, they've got stability mm-hmm. they've got financial security yeah I'm sitting here blowing through my money knowing that eventually I'm not going to be able to pay my bills right um it's because you were there at one point yeah right and you felt like I don't want to say you're say that your place was taken but you kind of like that's exactly how I felt okay yeah they have any kids together? Yes, they have four. Okay. They have four together? Yeah. With yours? <laughs> yes. Oh, wow. Jeez, Louise. <laughs> Lord, he, that's a he lot. He finally of... got snipped. Okay, I was going to say, when? <laughs> Someone needs to set that up or start a GoFundMe for that one. Jeez, Louise. <laughs> so he's got eight kids? He's got Holy eight. No, seven kids. Seven? Yes, seven. That's a so. lot, too, though. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Well, they drive a church bus. Well, they're going to have to, or somebody ain't going one. I don't know. I, uh, Jeez, Louise, can I you know. imagine getting seven breakfasts together? And they're all, like, I'm Let sure they Let me tell you, their mom is. they got to be a saint. She's got to be a saint. She's a saint. She's a super, she's super woman. Uh, she, I don't know. She's awesome. Mm. And at the time, <laughs> when, at the height of it, and you're, you know, with the kids, are you, are you still visiting them at the time? Yes, uh, I'm. Uh, at the time I was getting them, um, let's see, we were doing the every other weekend and I take them back Monday and then get them that Thursday. Well, the deal was if I had them late to school more than five times, five times, I think it was at the fifth time that I would lose uh, a couple nights. I wouldn't get that Sunday night and be able to take them home uh, to school Monday and mm. I wouldn't get that following Thursday. Right. And Honestly, the night that, um, the day that I had them, that last day I had them late, I wasn't on anything that night. I needed some sleep because I'd probably been up for two, three days. And it was a bad storm that night. And apparently the power got turned off that night and my phone went dead. And I was. Wow. Pretty upset. I was hoping he would give me another chance because. For once, it wasn't your fault. Yeah, for once. Or not intentional. Yeah. And, uh, but he, I mean, he was, he stood his ground. I'll say that. And looking back, he, he could have done some things different, but I think a lot of that was maybe out of anger for what I did to him. Um, but looking back, a lot of that, I understand now. When you're in those situations, um, and when you said that, when you said things are differently and, you know, he could have done things, the best way I can explain it, and this is going forward to anybody who wants, you know, who is going to go through it, when you're going through that, 
it's not something that you unless you constantly go through it all the time you're never going to know how to handle any situation yeah. you know you're not going to handle how to deal with parenting time and restricted visits and you know everything because it's like when the judge told me and my kids mom that we have to be at this place at this time and then when they drop off at this place at this time like both of us on both ends were so scared to like not be there on time that we were both there super early for no reason like 20 minutes early because we refused to be that one that wasn't on time you know and so you you do things out of anger you say things out of anger um you act in a way that's I don't want to I don't want to call it irrational I just want to say that it's super unfamiliar to the point that um you don't see yourself and how you act and and I can almost guarantee that you're just listen to how you talk about him and the things that they're doing. He was doing the best he can in the situation that he was in. Yes. Not making excuses because, I mean, no. obviously when you're angry, you can tend to do things. Like even now, I know exactly. There's been a few times that I'm like, okay, maybe I shouldn't have said that on the phone with my kid's mom because we were going through it. And, sh- and she would openly admit to me like, yeah, I was kind of being an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was being petty because, you know, you were, ta- you were seeing somebody and – uh you, you know, you were all dressed up, and I was just like, fuck this. I'm not going to let you. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Just something, just something small. I mean, yep. anything l- small would trigger a reaction in that point in time because there's already friction. Um, so when you were doing all that and you got the – and you, you took them to late on that fifth day, where did you go from there to kind of restore yourself? I mean, was that right at the height of the drug? So – Oh, no. that No, that's kind of what – that part is what really – kicked it off okay okay so I had we're a, just now getting kicked yeah, in into kicking the it off okay. um now yeah sorry i didn't answer that right at the height of it mm-hmm. um things were actually fairly good okay because i was living with my then boyfriend okay um he was a great guy but uh we he had a nice house has a nice house in medina um I mean, everything was good. He's a respectable dude, so that right there took spotlight off of me. Okay, because you were able to have someone involved with you that is what they're kind of looking for. Exactly. And you, right? Yes. Okay. So I I got away with that for a while. Um, Me and their stepmom, we we would text each other every once in a while and just, hey, I, I appreciate you know, you were just, she'd invite me to their school functions and stuff. Um, cause before I wasn't getting word on any of that and I didn't know why, but it doesn't matter now. Yeah. Um, well, that situation could have been a hundred other reasons, you know, yes. maybe you weren't in the right place. And maybe if let's just hypothetically say you would have went and you weren't in a good state of mind, yeah, you know who know how you you know who knows how you would have acted or something. You know, it's mm-hmm. almost almost like they're saving you a little bit, yeah. You know, and so when I felt like maybe if when you got to where you were, you know, in a good place that they were starting to invite you. That's how I would see yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's whenever I started really losing weight, mm-hmm. um, and. I'd stay up all hours of the night. Um, my kids would wake up. Mom, what are you doing up? You know, I'm like, well, I just wanted to clean the kitchen, you mm-hmm. know, or do some laundry. And uh, 
I don't know, it, it, it started going downhill. Um, I don't remember what I did. I do remember the Mother's Day before, right before I got arrested. That was in July. So Mother's Day, we all met up. Well, I got the kids and we went to Chuck E. Cheese. Then we came back to the ballpark in Madonna and we played wiffle ball. Mm-hmm. And it was a little awkward, but we're trying you know, and then you start having fun. Well, I'm on third base trying to keep Kat from, you know, getting on base. And she knocks me to the ground. And I swear, I thought I broke my butt. Mm-hmm. Like, that's how small I was. I have had no cushion back there. And, oh, God, I cannot remember what it was that happened. Mm. I don't know. We just, I mean. Was rebuilding that um, relationship with your kids kind of hard? Cause, I mean. Yeah. Did they see you really struggle? I mean, or were they kind of kept away until. No, they, well, they, um, like, struggled in addiction or after? Uh, just during it. Like, you know, when you're trying, like, you know, when you said that, oh, you know, we went, it was kind of awkward. Yeah. So you were at at the height of it right because you yes. weighed real yes. low. okay so they actually seen you struggle without knowing what you were struggling with yes okay yes okay. they always wondered they're like mama why do you take so long in the bathroom mm-hmm. and i always said i have stomach problems yeah. you know like so um or like i'd meet with one of my plugs whatever um mm-hmm. and They'd be like, who's that? You know, um, like, oh, it's just a friend of mine. I owed him money for something, you know, and they, I don't think they ever saw me get anything, but close enough. They were in the vehicle. Yeah. And And it's crazy because our kids are conditioned to kind of take what we say as, as what's, you know, what it is. You know, we go out there and we say, you know, the sky really isn't blue. It's purple. By, by the time it reaches here, it's blue. You know, they would believe that because us as parents, you know, they look up to what we say and what mm-hmm. we teach them. So um, when they were seeing you struggle through all this and um, what was the point, what was the worst part? What was the one thing that they may have seen that was the worst thing that you could probably think of during your addiction of it? I know one time they found a meth pipe. And that was at the house I had here in Jackson uh, before I stopped renting it. And I was like, oh, Lord, that's must be my roommates, you know. And I took it and put it up. Um, but the worst thing that they saw that I remember was the day that I realized that pretty much fully come to terms that I didn't have control mm-hmm. of my life anymore. Um, I didn't have, I was a stay at home mom. I was doing haircuts from home. So what money I made there, I spent on drugs. Mm-hmm. Didn't have money to go get them ice cream or the clothes that they needed yeah. or help out with food around the house, you know? Um, but, they uh, they didn't necessarily catch me shoplifting. They didn't see me doing it. But um, I remember 
my son. Um, we went in Walmart. It was late. He had poison oak or ivy, and it was bad. Like, he didn't look like oh, himself. Okay. It was really bad. So we went to Walmart. I was going to get him some stuff for that, and uh, I think I had Hannah with me that night, too. And I was pushing, she put her car seat in the buggy, and I'd act like, I'd have all this stuff and act like I'd had to go change her diaper. So I'd go in that big bathroom, and I would tell him to turn around, and I would take whatever, and I'd put in her diaper bag or um, under her car seat, like the little cushion cushion things, Um yeah, and then I remember I stopped by Food Giant before we went home, and he stayed out in the car. And whenever I came out, he was crying, and um, he said, Mama, did you steal that stuff? It was the Walmart bag. I put everything in, and uh, I mean the, the diaper bag, and I don't remember what I said, but I denied it. Right. Of course, you know, like yeah. you think they'd buy that, but yeah. he he knew better. Um, and it was self preservation for you too, though. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so him catching you doing that, um, do you think that point in his mind kind of changed, and he kind of saw some things like you know, it's hard to see, especially something like that. Um, you're seeing it with your own eyes, but you're conflicting with what your parents are actually mm-hmm. telling you. Um, so when you, that was like the worst thing and what, you know, with everything, did you ever get, or when you got, when that mugshot came out, what did you do to land yourself in jail? Shoplifting. Shoplifting. And I had, uh, drug, meth and paraphernalia on me. Um, you know, I had never shoplifted a day in my life. And whenever things started getting real, you know, I was really having to, work hard to get my fix right um i'd go places and uh having a baby in a car seat like i stole a lot of shit yeah you know because in my mind who uh, you know what mother would come in there and uh, Mm -hmm. i I don't think they would have suspected me yeah put yourself in jeopardy yeah put your kid there yeah yeah and uh so i'd steal stuff and then I'd wait a little while and then bring it back. It was like, this was a gift, uh, but I don't have the receipt for it. Right. So they, you know, they would give you a gift card for whatever the amount was. The exchange was, yeah. Yeah. And um, drug dealers take those too. You know, they don't, they prefer cash, but. They're not going to discriminate. Yeah. It's money. Yeah. What's the worst thing you had to do to get that, to get your drugs? What's the work did you, I know, I know shoplifting was one of them. But what, if you were to look back now and you're saying, like, I've seen people steal their mother, you know, not steal their mother's jewelry or, or or break into this after hours and take this for somebody or, you know, steal a radio or whatever. What was the worst thing you've ever done for the, for drugs? How far did it get? I can honestly say, and I do not mean to offend anyone if they have done this because yeah. I it, it was coming. Yeah. You know, if I didn't get arrested but I remember telling myself if I ever thought about sticking a needle in my arm or having sex Mm -hmm. with someone for drugs 
then I would put myself in treatment. Um, I did think about putting a needle in my arm, but in my mind, I'm like, I'm fucked up enough. You know, why, why go further? Yeah. And, but that's what you have to do whenever it doesn't work the other ways anymore. Yeah. You know, it just gets worse, so much worse. Um, I think you get out of, like, I think you get an out-of-body experience on, like, trying to achieve what you're trying to get. Because, like, at the time, it seems justified, right? In your yeah. head, as an addict, you're like, oh, fuck that. They're not going to miss this. Yeah, or, you exactly. Know, whatever. They got a hundred of these at Walmart, uh-huh. you know, whatever. Uh, this little thing could benefit. Yeah, me. I'm this for my kids. Yeah, I'm doing it for my kids. You know, I need this, you know, uh-huh. or something. Or some you to justify that. it and, and you believe it. Yeah, you that's the scary you part. believe it, yes. That's the scary part because I've seen, I've heard, and, I, you know, I've seen a lot of reports, even before TikTok and everything, like even, you know, they'll show you before and afters on YouTube and stuff like that, and they would be like, you know, I would, you know, go sleep with my next door neighbor who was like 79 or whatever just yeah. to get $15. I'm like, wow. And then yeah. you look, and then when they make their, you know, way back to being healthy and stuff, like they could be like models or whatever. Like they're beautiful women. Yeah. So it's kind of crazy to see them. Like, But that's how far it gets. Yeah. You know, that's how the addiction like really takes control over your mental state because like your perception on things completely blurs. I, I'm, I'm going to assume, you know, so to see people bring themselves to that low to get something so so um so destructive to their life it's it's completely crazy what drugs can do yeah um so when you got arrested how did that go from there well let's see um I was sloppy with it that time like because I it had been so easy all the other times that I shoplifted and I left hangers in the bathroom that shirts had been hanging on. Right. And they had, I'm sure they were watching me go through the store and stuff. And uh, anyway, I know whenever we were right, about to walk out the door, um, I hear some guys say, ma'am, I need to talk to you for a minute. And I stopped and he had the hangers in his hand. And my stomach just you you know that feeling you're like oh shit i'm busted and um you know honestly i used to uh, i wonder why i never ran out the door (laughs) you know but i'm glad i didn't um yeah i went back there and i had a pipe and drugs in my purse and the stuff that i had stolen was in Hannah's car seat, in the stroller. Um, and when they asked me where the stuff was, I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Right. You know, just try my best to get out of it. And so whenever I realized I wasn't going to be leaving until they found it, in my mind, I was going to help them look for it and act surprised whenever <laughs> I found it and blame my son. Oh, wow. He was, let's see. He was four. Wow. And um, Hannah was seven months old. And whenever I found it, I just kind of looked at him like, AJ, 
And he looked at me like, like I was the biggest piece of shit. Yeah. And that's something that's been super hard to forgive myself for. There's lots of things, but that one right there, he, he witnessed his mom being put in handcuffs. Watched her being walked out by the officer, you know. And the officer that arrested me, um, I just thought he was a major dickhead. He didn't have to talk to me the way he talked to me, but it stuck. He pretty much called me a piece of shit, just, you know, and with different words. And, God, that was the lowest I felt. Whenever I sat down in that cop car... Uh, I I really can't explain that feeling. It's, it's just... But soon after that, there was this huge weight lifted off my shoulders because now I'm not hiding... I'm hiding a couple things, but th- this is my biggest issue, and it's out. Mm-hmm. Um, and my then-boyfriend, whenever he got there to get the kids, he like he was just stunned. He was worried about the weight that I had lost, but he honestly thought I was anorexic. And I was like, yeah, no, I'm not anorexic. I'm just, I think I got thyroid issues. Mm. You know, that was what I would blame it on. But, um, I don't forgot where I Just sitting in that cop car. Yes. How did, what was the, you know, I always say that, People sober up when something gets real. Oh, yeah. Um, so when you got handcuffed and you got put in the back and on your way, like, it was it at that time when you felt like, you know what, I just need to own this, like, own up to this. You know, this is this has gotten so out of control that I'm here now at this point. Like, you know, because at some point you feel like you're untouchable when you get away with it for so long. Mm-hmm. And so now with this situation and, you know, in that interrogation room or whatever room they took you in and they, you know, questioned you about the stuff and they, you know, was trying to, basically they really just wanted you to admit it without having to really do the work to find it and everything. And then they saw, you know, the response with, you know, towards your son and then they ended up just arresting you Um, on the way to the uh, police station. And then that first night, what was going through your mind? Or were you high when you went to Walmart that night? Okay. mm -mm. No, I wasn't high. Um, I did have another meth pipe in my vehicle. Um, really glad they didn't find because that would have just been extra charges. Yeah. And, um, but I remember coming in. I, I was relieved whenever we got to the jail. Yeah. Um, I actually saw a couple girls I knew. Mm. And one, I was like, damn, she looks like shit. <laughs> and here I am looking like, mate, like run over dog shit. And, uh, I like how there's a beauty contest going on. Yeah. <laughs> and whenever, um, I showered, I remember asking for conditioner. Mm-hmm. And the lady, she was like, excuse me? I'm like, I need some conditioner. And she was like, we don't have conditioner. Like, they give you the worst shampoo. Yeah. Couldn't get a brush through my hair. 
just that really tough jumpsuit that you're in. Oh, I bet it's all like starchy and hard. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, I put was, paper bags on you. It was awful. Um, but I got my mat and walked down and saw one of my longtime friends in there. And she, drugs weren't her thing. So they, I can't remember what it was she got arrested for, but it was a misunderstanding. And as soon as I walked in, she looked up and she was like, you look like shit. <laughs> and she was like, what's your issue? Or what, I mean, what's your problem? And I, she's like, are you on drugs? And I'm like, no, I'm not on drugs. And I can't remember what I told her. I think I just said shoplifting. Uh, and I, I think, yeah, I told her that AJ had mistakenly put stuff in the, you know, just trying to make myself look better, hmm. way better than what I was. And, um, but I, I remember I got in my own cell and I couldn't stop getting up and looking out what little window I had to see if, cause that was the longest night of my life. And I was just worried that they were going to forget me for court. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, I wanted you're just out. For, you're just waiting to see the judge the next morning yes. at this point, right? Uh-huh. I wanted out. And um, so went to court. I honestly don't remember what he said. I know my next court date was 10 days later, mm. which, man, if I didn't get bailed out, I was in there for that long. And... <clears throat> My then boyfriend uh, bailed me out. And I knew we weren't going to be together anymore. Like, he was just trying to. Oh, he was just trying to get. looked like he was just like, you know what? I'm just going to have to slowly. Yeah. Slowly exit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but not putting. Because you already have enough going on. So. Uh-huh. But, yeah, he come and got me. And um, I stayed there till court. My dad called me the day before court and said, I called Aspel, and you need to call them and talk to them. They might have a bed for you. So I called, and this lady answered the phone. She said, uh, how long have you been using for? And I was like, uh, a couple months. And she kind of went, mm. <laughs> like, uh, you yeah. ain't in rehab just yet. <laughs> you don't you have know? to lie to me like, yet. You, you've, got a, you've had to be doing it for a long time. And uh, I get there, and she sees me. She's like, are you the one I talked to yesterday? And I said, yes, ma'am. And she was like, yeah, you've been doing it longer than two months. <laughs> <laughs> like, damn. She, like, she just hit you with it? Just I mean, hit. They don't care. But, they don't, but, but that's, it, that, that's what but it has that, to that's, be. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's the, what cracks the, uh, you. The direct... And I don't want to say harsh, but the direct nature of it has to be done at this point. Yes. Because anything else other than that is going to get you nowhere. Mm -hmm. So now that you're dealing with your, you know, with the whole rehab thing, was there a second thought to not call it after your dad told you that they may have a room? Or was that an absolute, no. at this point, you're like, you know what, I ain't going back to jail again. I'm doing everything in my power to not go to jail. Mm -hmm. But... I wanted to be the mother that I had always dreamed of being, right. you know, and I had never been that mother. Right. First of all, because I was so young yeah, and then got on the drugs and, mm -hmm. but, um, no, I, I was ready. 
I was I was thrilled to be going. My dad called me. He was like, Tab, he was kind of giving me the rundown because he had to go years ago. He was like, don't be talking to no men. <laughs> and uh, don't be talking about anybody, you know, because somebody's going to go back and tell and it's going to make your time there rough. Mm. Um, but it was very emotional. But my experience with rehab was pretty good. Um, I didn't stay a full 28 days. It was 20. Mm. Um, met some good friends in there. And some of us have relapsed mm-hmm. in between. Um, I, I've relapsed a couple times, not on meth, but, you know, I tried drinking. It doesn't, it's no fun anymore. Yeah. When you go to rehab, nothing is fun anymore, you know. Yeah, it's almost like they embed the... Um the toxic nature of even drinking. Yes. Or I've I've had a, a close friend and he he passed away a couple of years ago. Um, he committed suicide, and um, I think when they were talking about the things that he had went through, um, rehab made him literally swear off everything, like anything that wasn't productive. Mm-hmm. I mean, even cigarettes, everything, everything he could think of. Was complete. It was like it's almost like drilled, like a like a military camp. Like they teach you discipline to to avoid any of those things that could cause you to. Because you know you do one thing, like okay, well I'm gonna stay out one night and hang out with a couple of friends, and then that turns to I'm gonna stay out one night and get a shot, and yep. then oh, the next time is oh, I'm just gonna get a beer. It's not gonna kill anything because like you're slowly getting back into it slowly. Yeah. Um. So when you relapsed after you've gotten out, um, where did that take you mentally? Because I mean, I, did you feel regret right after yes. that? Yes. Okay. Yes, very regret, regretful. Um, the first time I almost had 21 months. Mm-hmm. And for a while after that, all I could think about was, man, I'd, ha- I'd have this many years right now. If it wasn't for that. If it wasn't for that. I wasn't prepared mentally to go to this concert that I went to. Mm-hmm. I looked around and, you know, everybody was having a good time with a beer in their hand. And here I am, like, you know, not feeling part of, you know, I just, all I could think about was, like, what the hell am I doing here? Mm-hmm. And the girl that I was with, um, we, and she was in, they were in recovery, but they weren't fully in recovery. And these are people you've met? Yeah. At the, at the center? Yes. Okay. Um. They actually lived close to the treatment center, um, and we, I told her, I was like, man, I wish I could do that, mm-hmm. you know, and she's like, well, I'm fixing to go get one, and I'm just sitting here thinking, wow, you know, I thought, I brought you here to be my accountability partner, now you're going to go get a beer, she comes back, she had a... <laughs> straw burrito one of those big ones and i love those Mm -hmm. you know and so i was like here and um chugged half of it and was feeling great you know because i hadn't drinking forever and ended up right after i did that i saw my lawyer and my therapist that are working with me to help me get my kids back. And here I am drinking at a concert, you know, they were at the concert. Yeah. They wow. were at the concert. And I was like, okay, God, 
I see you, you know, I hear you. And I just, I, I, I wasn't drunk, but, you know, it was still irresponsible of me to drive because, I, like I said, I hadn't drank in forever. I was feeling pretty damn good. But um, after that, uh, I was regretful. Um, and then I started uh, planning out my weekends. Like, I'll drink a little bit whenever I don't have the girls. Yeah. And I would... And, I mean, I wouldn't, I never did anything stupid, um, but it just kind of moved into a little bit more. And so, whenever I got the job that I'm at now, like I said, I, I celebrate by drinking whenever something good happens. And I was so proud of myself for getting this job and drink at work. Screwed up a few haircuts that day. Mm. And I was like, if I keep doing this, it's going to end up right back where it was. And um, I had a few hiccups. You know, I started smoking pot some during quarantine. You know, very depressed, not working, you know. Yeah, because at that time it was... At that time it was uh, pretty rough on a lot of people who were stylists, people who work with the general public. Especially last year. People don't really understand how tough last year was for waitresses, salons, uh, any food industry. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even one of them that don't really have that many waitresses or whatever. But for the most part, you know, that uh, coronavirus thing really set a lot of people, I, I, I would hope mentally, right? Because if you're not there, this could all be snatched away, obviously. I mean, you would think that you know, oh, job security, no. Mm-mm. No, not really. <laughs> yeah. So when you were sitting there and you were quarantined and you were depressed and you indulged in the pot, um, did anything else come of that? Like, did you get into any tougher things than that? Anything harder? No. Okay. I be I did begin to start wondering if I was a real alcoholic or drug addict. Okay. Because I was able to handle myself. Right. I'm like, I'm not doing the things that I used to do. Mm-hmm. You know, and I felt like... I felt like an adult, you know, and, but still all I could see were my kids' faces yeah. and the disappointment and the possibility of one day maybe having a little too much to drink, maybe we should go buy some meth, mm. you know, I, I hear of a lot of people that do that. Um, I didn't think I would, but I didn't want to risk it. Right, because a lot of situations, especially if you if it's your inner circle, um, if it's, I know you said you had a, a core group of friends that luckily has stuck by you, but if you're still hanging out with a certain amount of certain type of people who don't mind drinking, you know, now mind you, they may not have had the problem you had, but so they drink and they're like, hey, listen, I can drink, get drunk, and I'm I'm okay. It's not going to lead to anything else because I won't do anything else. But still, having that environment around you does kind of open the door to saying like. If you know in your head, like, Ooh, if I know if I get drunk, I'm going to want to. Because then at that point, your, your, you know, capacity of thinking is just completely out the mm-hmm. window. Like, you're, you're, you're not thinking logically at that point because you're just trying to, oh, having a good time yeah. and everything. And me personally, I don't see anything great about a hangover, which is why I haven't drank since I was 18. I'm not even supposed to be drinking at 18. But everybody goes to high school parties, right? Yeah. And I remember doing it, and 
waking up the next morning and having the worst headache. That's when I knew drinking wasn't for me. I had the worst headache ever. And then when I was trying to smoke cigarettes to be cool, um, I stunk really bad. I didn't know oh, how to yes. inhale. I didn't know how to inhale. I'm not going to lie. I, I completely lied. Anybody who – I just did it and kind of looked away and, you know, blew it out. And people yeah. thought I was inhaling. So. <laughs> or I'll make the fake noise like – you know, and just kind of trying to play it off. But, like, I mean, you either stunk really bad or you got a bad headache the next day. So, luckily, I was able to kind of deter myself from that. But, um, you know, when you relapsed those few times and you had those little hiccups, so was that quarantine the last time you had your ma- your major hiccup? It was my birthday last year. Um, I was in a pretty toxic relationship that – we just, we tried so hard to, you know, stay together. We we became that couple that I hated and made fun of. You see those couples that break off. up on and off, and you've got to put it on social media. And I told mm. him, I was like, I ain't putting this shit on social media anymore. He's like, well, then everyone's going to think you're single. You know, so it was just super toxic. That's a very narcissistic thing to say. Yeah. I mean, realistically. Yeah. But, but like, I wasn't... Um, he got mad whenever I would get text or calls for haircuts, mm-hmm. you know. And if we're trying to spend family time together and stuff, and I'm just constantly on my phone, I get that. And I was most of the time. Okay. But then when so he, when he was, he was deterring it as, well, she's always on her phone instead of it being work-related. Now, mind you, had you not been on your phone when it was family time and you only answered it when it was important for work, he would have acted like But, again, it seems like. It, there's a possessive nature there anyway. So um, that was one excuse he can get away with. Well, you're always on it anyway. I don't know who you're talking to. It's not work-related, you know. So he was lucky to kind of use that as an excuse. Um, as far as that toxic relationship, what did, did what did that get you indulging in? Because mm. I know it had to depress you, right? Because you're, like, you're, you're that couple now on Facebook or yeah. whatever you mm-hmm. put it on. Um and you become this one thing that you really didn't want to become, which is the people you made fun of. Yeah. Like, I – listen, I, I did it too, and I hate those people. And I look back, and I'm like, God, it's so cringed. You know, yes. it's such a cringe thing yes. to look. And then you forget that you left it up, so you got to delete it. Uh-huh. Um, but, yeah, I, I can see where, you know, turning into something like that, and then you're dealing with uh, a toxic relation. Then you're depressed on top of that. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're – you don't want to end it, but then again, you're back to being alone. Yeah, you know, that's my understand. issue. I've I've always had a man, whether it be my dad, mm-hmm. my ex-husband, boyfriends, you know. Um, but this time, um, I had a lot of responsibility because he didn't have a car or a license when we first started dating. Mm. I thought I could handle that because he seemed like a really cool guy just trying to get his shit together. Right. He He's one of, work- he's oh, like he was me. Yes. Okay, okay. Recovery. And um, so whenever we moved in together after two months of dating, yeah, I was like, oh, God, I what can't a, do this. What a recipe for disaster on that one. It, I'm sorry. It was bad. Now, he... Were you doing it as a favor? It was your place. Well, we we got it... We got it together. Okay. Okay. That's yeah. understandable. Okay. But, I was um, going to say, if it was just on you, that's... No, 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 okay, no. Okay. Um. But, yeah, that relationship, um, I just, I couldn't give him what he wanted. 
I'm not, I'm not going to say I'm not, I'm, what am I trying to say? I am affectionate, but not affectionate enough for him. Okay. Like, I feel like he just, he expected me to jump in his arms and just make out with him for five minutes whenever he come home. Oh, I'm so glad you're home. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Right. I have a full-time job. I have a child living with me most of the time. She goes to her dad's on the weekends, but, um, and I have housework to do and just a bunch of stuff. And I was just super stressed. Um, but yeah, that, that went on for like a year and a half. Um, oh. Back in January, my Meemaw died. And that was right around, I had started losing some weight at that point. And I wanted to lose 10 pounds. Well, I remember... Um, it was one of the times he was fixing to move out, and uh, we were planning on sticking, staying together, but living separately at that point. And he went in the bathroom, and he saw this little piece of plastic, like a piece of corner of something, mm-hmm. which is what dope baggies look like. Oh, okay. But this thing was so tiny, no, I mean, nothing would fit in there. Because if you know anything about drugs, you have to twist that and tie it, you know, and it just wasn't big enough. But he was so convinced that I was back on drugs. That's why I was losing my weight. And I was like, dude, that, I I don't know what that is. There was, it could have been something from like a, anything in a plastic wrapper, you know. Mm -hmm. And, but I told him, I was like, look, I'll go get a damn drug test. And... That right there, it stresses me out whenever, and I've been getting it a lot lately, because I have. I've lost quite a bit of weight, Mm -hmm. and my doctor says it must be stress. I'm not as stressed anymore, and I haven't gained any weight, but him accusing me of being back on dope really stressed me out, Mm -hmm. and the fact that I just was steadily losing it... um. People keep saying, like, you lost more weight? I'm like, I don't know. I don't get on a scale. But, you know, it. in my mind, they're thinking she's back on that shit. Yeah. You know, so the, it seemed like the harder I tried to gain weight, the easier it was to lose. And finally talked to my doctor. And she got me on a different antidepressant. And she kept telling me, she was like, you need to get out of this relationship. Sounds like to me that um, when you're truly unhappy with your with circumstances, when you're dreading the person coming home or you're dreading any small hint of what whatever could it can turn into a conversation clusterfuck where you could literally be doing nothing. He they could walk in and you just so happen to not hear them come in and you didn't say hi right off the bat. That's an argument. Boom. Yep toxic um oh you didn't do this well i had a hundred other things to do boom argument you're Mm -hmm. not paying attention to me you know all this other stuff it's just everything you can think of and you would literally unknowingly unknowingly you would put yourself in a situation where you will you will forget to eat or won't eat as much Mm -hmm. your appetite is gone because you're stressed out you're sad um your body has a sense of doing it to yourself like i remember uh a while back you know a long a couple of years ago, 
you know, me and my uh, ex-fiance split up and I lost a ton of weight because I was going through it. But mm-hmm. it was something that I went through, but I, I didn't see myself losing weight. I didn't even realize it until I saw pictures of myself or my family told me. But I, again, it was, I saw myself in a mirror that I didn't see anybody different. Yeah. So it was hard for me to recognize it. Um, but to deal with something that was as toxic as that, with the things that you're dealing with, and you're already on medication, right, at this mm-hmm. point, for your doctor to not be in your relationship, in your house, and to tell you that you need to leave this relationship should tell you how bad it really is and what you were actually going through, yeah. you know, to lose the weight. Now, some people, you're always going to have this seed of doubt of people about what, about you. I think that your response is from then, from now, like what you just said, you're a little more... You have, it, like, you know, you said, well, I don't get on the scale today. You're more, the more coherent and the more um, direct you are with your, your responses is more like, I don't have to prove that to you. I know yeah. I'm not doing it. Because you're not, you're not getting defensive at this point. You're just yeah. kind of like, dude, I don't know. I don't know. Like, what's, what's yeah. the matter? Okay. And so your, your, your tone about it is it more like, I don't have to, I, I'm, I no longer have to prove it to you yeah. or myself. So now I'm just going to say, I don't care if you know, if you don't believe me. Or if you don't think so, I think that that's going to be your ongoing battle from here on out is um, thinking that, you know, maybe you're back on it or over this and that. Mm-hmm. As long as you know you're not on it. Yeah. You know, and um, when that doctor told you that, what, what did you, what did, how did you proceed from there? Oh, I just prayed a whole lot. Um, I reflected on pros and cons. Okay. Um. My daughter, it got to where um, my oldest three kids, they didn't like how he talked to me yeah. one day. And she said, Mom, I'd come stay the night with you if he wasn't there. And my your dad. Kid, your kids are saying it. Yes. At this point. My dad and, can't stand him. And the thought that and the thought that your kid, who, who said that they didn't like how he talked to you? My uh, daughter. Okay, so having that discussion in front of your daughter or any discussion like that in front of any kids, you know, tells you a lot, you yeah. know? So for your kids to kind of pick up on something like that. And I like to listen, I get it. It's hard for somebody to be alone, especially if you're a codependent, yeah. you know, and you've, you know, you've already invested, and especially that's what people don't understand when you invest, whether it's toxic or not, when you've invested, cause I mean, they, whether they're toxic or not, they're still good. in a lot of people, even toxic ones, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they didn't, just start out toxic from the beginning or if they did they didn't do it right off the bat but there's good qualities in anybody that is walking earth right now it just depends on how they're wanting to put their good qualities for you know mm-hmm. towards whatever they're in so every person isn't a shitty one they're shitty along the way because i always felt like you don't really know someone until you're three to six months in because you're not going to talk about what you believe, what you don't like, what you do like, what bothers you, what irritates you, what annoys you, you know, or anything to that aspect. So, you know, at this point, when you have your daughter kind of picking up on the things that you're going through, you know, and then your dad hates them, which, you know, dad's, I mean, those intuitions are pretty, (laughs) yeah, those intuitions are pretty 50-50. I mean, sometimes people can be wrong, but oftentimes in some, you know, if they really just don't like them for a reason, there's a reason. Maybe they see an earlier self of them in that person, and they pick up on the habits. And um, I've seen people are like, listen, man, I, that person is, I've seen those people before. And I'm telling you, you you know, I'm going to just watch out. You know, I've seen people approach me with things like that. Um, 
So when you switch to you switch to your new medicine, where where are we going from there as far as your recovery? Mm, I mean, whenever I switched medicines, I was, you know, oh, God, that may have been like two months ago. And I just celebrate, well, maybe more than two months. I just celebrated my one-year sobriety on September 5th. Okay. Um, the day after my birthday. Nice. And, uh... Can't celebrate, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> we celebrate it uh, with cake. There you go. <laughs> you feel, a year's a long time for yeah. someone who is a user. Yeah. That, that's got to be hard for someone who uses. You know, I've, I've talked to uh, one of my friends on another podcast that they did, and her husband was an addict. And t- I'm telling you, a year is a long time for somebody who yeah. was addicted to it. And so that's a great thing that you actually were able to go through that and, and stay clean, even though... I don't think people really realize how tempting everything is. So your surroundings, you know, just going out, you know, with your friends. Everything is so tempting for mm-hmm. you. You you're in a really delicate place where you're literally having to fight off demons that people don't really understand. And or you know, you can unless they're they dealt with it too. Your demons are so much harder to fight because you're like, I can't do this because I know that if I do this, there's a tenth chance that i could do this yeah you know and so you're fighting that at this point and so a casual night out with your friends may seem casual to your friends but for you it's it's a struggle yeah and you know and that's just something that you you know you're working through but i think the benefits of all that is when you realize that it might get easier as time goes on you know good thing is um now those friends that i've had you know ever since i was little they they'll drink you know, and they, like you said, they can. Um, I don't hang out with them as much. Um, they don't get offended by that? No. Okay. It's normally because we don't have the time. But I know, the like, I do get tempted. Um, so, in this fellowship I'm in, mm-hmm. um, you, you know, you meet a lot of friends now, whenever I first got, it took me a while because normally women that are alcoholics and addicts, they have major trust issues. Right. They don't trust any women, don't have any women friends. We all have that. Most of us have that same thing. Oh, I was just like one of the guys. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I felt like that, yeah. you know, um, but... I have a lot of good friends in recovery. Like tonight, we're gonna go to a house of horror or whatever. Nice. You know, like it's it's not the fun that I used to have, but it's still fun. Yeah. You know, and I'm coherent. I remember the next day. Um, it's crazy how those circumstances and your mindset would change on what you think it's fun. Cause a couple of years ago, your night of fun would have been, I'm going to go to the bar yeah, or I'm going to go shoot pool or I'm going to go dancing. And, uh, it's because you know, those along with those things comes the people that I don't want to call them enablers, but the people there who are able to drink and stuff. And so it's easier to blend into situations like that and say, yeah, everybody's drinking, having a good time and I'm, you know, not drinking. Mm-hmm. And so those determinations of fun, you know, and those consequences that came from that. And now, like, just what you're saying now, like, hey, we're going to go do this. And, like, at least now I can go. I, I know I'm going home on time or mm-hmm. I'm going to go to bed and I'm going to wake up tomorrow and I'm going to remember everything I did before. Like, that's a, such a change 
for somebody who was dealing with what you were dealing with, you know? Yeah. Um, how is everything with your, um, how's everything with your kids as far as your relationship now since you've been? It's gotten so much better. Um, yeah. Now, the oldest three, I wasn't able to see them for like two years and three months right. after I got, like five years ago, whenever I was arrested. Yeah. And uh, so it, it's been, it was rough at first. Um, because I know I've disappointed them, embarrassed mm -hmm. them, let them down. Uh, but they, they just see the difference. They don't, I, I don't tell them all the time how good I'm doing. They see yeah. it. Yeah. They see the change. You shouldn't have to, I don't want to say over, over justify you. Like again, uh, if you were to say something, I'm like, well, I think you're still using you. To me, you don't have to prove anything to me. Yeah. Just like you don't have to prove any. Like, let what you're doing express it. It will eventually. Again, it's it's the vibe. It's everything. Everything about your aura. Everything will come out, and people will see the difference between then and now. Uh, I think kids are very forgiven for the most part, especially at an early age. You know, I think yeah. they remember, and they may never forget, but they're very in the here and now mind state. You know, because if you're doing a lot of good things now and like you're you're nothing like they will remember. So a lot of times they'll doubt it in their head. They're like, was it really as bad as I thought it was? Even though they know it. Yeah. They, you know it was. And they'll be it's like. It's still yeah. a shock to them. Like. It's just weird. for I don't know. Except my, my oldest daughter. She was like. You just. You. You look different. You. Mm. You act different. You speak differently. You know, I'm really. I'm not working as hard as I should, but, you know, my mouth, my language is awful. I listen, we're, we're, we're from that era. Yeah. Well, we're from that era where I was cussing when my family wasn't around, my mom mm -hmm. around, you know, to cussing in front of them now, which I shouldn't. I ain't gonna lie, I shouldn't. But <laughs> my kids hear me cuss, but they also know never, to, it, never, and they don't. And luckily they don't. But, um, you know, some, you know if, if it was between what was going on then to – that's your only problem. I think, you know, you've exactly. came a long way. Um, as far as the uh, situation with that whole toxic relationship, like, is he completely out? Yes. Okay. Like, just done away? Done, yeah. Block? We we tried to – he's not blocked, um, but we tried to start texting again because, you know, we – I guess we saw – like, I saw how good he was doing – and he saw how good I was doing. Like, I've gotten a lot more involved mm. in, um, in the fellowship. And immediately you're like, oh, well, you know, maybe we can make this work. But you don't think the reason we're both doing so good is because we have been apart. Yep. And that's a hard pill to swallow. It is when it, is when it wasn't so bad all the time. Yeah. It, it is when you realize, like... There were some really good times, and those good times is what held me through all the toxic shit. Mm -hmm. Like, I can remember, fuck, he's an asshole today, but damn, like, I, I feel like I, you know, you don't have this sense, oh, I know this, I know how he really is. This isn't, he's just going through it or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so those little tiny, you can have a sentiment of three great things about this person that you try to use that to hold on to a hundred things that are the worst of them, you know? Yeah. Um, and so the time apart, 
again, that's a realization that a lot of, not a lot of people were willing to let go, especially if you're kind of codependent. Mm-hmm. Um, when you realize that, is that expressed to him though? Did you tell him that? Yes. Okay. How um, did he react? Honestly, we, it was just, I think it was just a feeling, um, I'm not the type to text you all day and mm. all that. And he, uh, he appreciates that. And maybe, uh, and I'm sure there's someone out there for, for him that, you know, will do that for him, but I'm just not that person. Right. But he was irritated that I didn't text him all day one day. Cause I, I mean, I was with my kids, but in his mind, he's like, well, you could have just taken a second, you know, text me, see how my day was going. I know that's what went through his head. But anyway, that next day he was like, I think we should just go back to doing what we were doing. And I was like, I agree. Yeah. Because instantly, whenever I knew that he was annoyed that I didn't text him, that gross feeling just came over me like that like a, feeling like, of dread yeah like again like here it is again here it is something again. that you were dealing with before and we're not even to, together yeah. you know so um now my biggest issue and this is very selfish but I, I know this and i'm working on it right pretty much i don't want him but i don't want anyone else to have him well, you have this sense of mentality, and it's not you alone. <clears throat> it's it's other people included. I felt like I was in the same state of mind at one point. You know, you know where you know what a situation is, but you can't let go of what you really feel like you want. Like, yeah. like they are exactly what you want them to be, but it's just not time. You know, it's not time for that. Like, your time. Right now, you spending time with your kids and them being your priority that day, believe it or not, you not texting him or for whatever reason, whether, I mean, whether you were busy 100% doing something else or you just didn't feel like it that day, okay? It doesn't matter. Either way, you made your kids a priority and not anybody else at that point. So, they're alone in his head. If he's so proud of progress for you, he should have seen that. Now, mind you, he could he, this the selfish nature again. Or oh, you could have took one second. And, and now, mind you, he, I know you say he didn't say that. But if I was a dude, I'd say that. Yeah. If I was him, I'd be like, it takes two seconds to text me and say good morning. Or, hey, I'm going to be with my kids all day. Or, hey, uh, sorry I hadn't texted you much, but this and this and this. I, I can get that. But, again, if you're proud of someone's progress, especially what you went through, you should be grateful that they made them a priority because if they make their kids a priority and when your time comes they make you a priority and so at that point you know you're safe in that area like i see what she would do for them okay if things work out i know what she'll do for me but again it's it's that hard to let go of somebody it's hard to let go of somebody i saw this thing on tiktok the other day uh it was really it was really sad because i don't think i've ever had to see anyone really like someone's seen one's face and people are pretty transparent on tiktok uh, and they wrote, it was a girl, and she, it was some song playing, and she said, I know you have me blocked, but I still tell you I love you and I miss you every night. Mm. Like, that's crazy to me, because here she is, she's still going through it, but she can't let go. No mm. matter, if she, like, she, she obviously knows that she can't have any contact with him, and these messages will never reach him. But that's where she's at, 
and I feel like, again, like, even though you know that um, it isn't right right now, it's hard to see somebody else with the person that you, you know, you mm-hmm. truly care about. Toxic or not, you can love toxic people. People have done it all the time. Um, and sometimes you can work through them if the situations, you know, don't interfere with other situations and priorities that you, like you have. But right now, you know, with the, with everything that you're focusing on, I could see why it would be hard because you're like, man, definitely don't want to see that person with somebody else. You know, yeah. I get it. I do. I get it. Um, and I, and I truly, I truly hate that, but I also do admire the, the commitment that day for your kids. Like that's, that's a big deal for somebody. And you know, from what you went through, yeah. um, does the situation gotten better with the, um, the ex-husband as far as like now that you're kind of, yes. you're, you're doing your thing, it's the communication's better, the uh, co-parenting, mm-hmm. which is pretty hard when you, when you're kind of being ran through the ringer, which, you know everything that you went through and the kids that went through, it's kind of hard to trust that other parent. Um, Do you feel like he fully trusts you now? I don't know if he fully trusts me, but he trusts me quite a bit because now I'm getting my kids unsupervised. I've had them stay the night twice. That's good. And huge difference. I've been like the old me. it, It couldn't come fast enough. Yeah. But the new me knows that God's time is the right time, not you know, not my time. And you're appreciative of the little things that you're now getting. Yes. Because believe it or not, him letting, now mind you, I can see where this man would be coming from because him letting the kids stay, even though they're old enough now, yeah. to say something if something was happening, that's still trust whether you see it or not. That's yeah. his kid. He's handing over his kids to you, knowing that they're going to be with you for 24 hours or however long. Mm-hmm. And... He slowly, I'm going to give her, I'm, yep. I'm, I, he's got to give you the rope to, to, to trust, but he's either going to give you the rope to hang yourself with or the rope to trust you more. And he's going to let it loose every time you do something great. In my opinion, that's what I would, I would consider that being, especially yeah. if they're staying with you now, which is huge actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so as far as your recovery, are you still doing, like, are you going to a program now? Or are you just doing the yes. church thing? Yeah. Um, um, I do. Well, I'm not going to say it because it's yeah. an issue. But, yes, I, I'm in a program, and um, I go to church at least twice a month, two Sundays a month. Um, but I go where my four, my six-year-old almost, uh, where her granddad preaches. And I haven't said anything about how all that came about. Okay. But... Um, so the ex-boyfriend I was with, uh, God, I loved him and he was a good guy, you know, works for TVA, had a very nice house. He was young to Mm. have all this. Like I want to say he was 23 or 24 when we met. Wow. Yes. TVA has a nice house in Madonna, uh, two vehicles. Um, you know, I was like, man, this, this is who I need. I really like this guy and don't even know him, but I just get this good vibe. And, uh, in my mind, I thought that could save me. If I was with somebody that was that good, I could, I could become that. Yeah, Be the polar opposite of what you are, like level it out. Uh basically. But that did not work. So, um, he started realizing that I was financially 
stupid pretty much. I wasted my money and um, I just wasn't responsible. And he picked up on that. Like whenever he had no clue I was on drugs until the day I got arrested. Wow. And we were together for, okay, we met end of May of 2014. And that was, yeah, so we were together a little over two years. And you, he never knew? He never wow, knew. you did that well. <laughs> he never knew. And that he did think that I was anorexic. Uh, but anyway, so he broke it off with me. This is before I knew I was pregnant. And he told me, uh, we agreed that we weren't going to see anyone else, but I thought that was just his way of making me feel better so I wouldn't kill myself because mm-hmm. I was kind of suicidal. What, along then. with the addiction. That, well, and also whenever um, he said pretty much he wanted to break up. Okay. And so I had a one-night stand. And then, let's see, a couple weeks down the road, I go to a concert with him. And I just feel different. Like, I tried to get a drink. The drink just didn't, I don't know, I didn't want to drink that night. And I was tired and... So I took a pregnancy test the next day. I uh, saw so it was longer than two weeks, but it showed up positive. And all I could think was, "Oh shit!" You know. So you kept that when I stand hidden. Yes. Mm-hmm. I before I let him know, I I called her father, and I told him I was like, "Hey, I'm pregnant," and. He's a good dad now. Um, but he was scared to death. He was uh, living in a house. I think he was renting a room, going to school in Memphis. And I think he suspected I was on drugs. So that turned him off. And whenever I told him that I was pregnant, he was like, got to get an abortion, pretty much. And... Honestly, I wanted to. I wanted to be able to. I wanted to want to, but I didn't want to. You know, I just, I don't, I'm not mad at anybody for. Who makes that decision. Who makes that decision. Because I've thought about it with three of my children. Yeah. Because I was scared to death. And uh, And literally, and, and there's not one person on earth, unless you're truly trying when you get pregnant young, especially young, I mean, I say young between the ages of however old, what, 15, 16, I don't know, you probably get pregnant younger, but between that age and 24, 25, your first instinct is like, I can't fucking do this, especially if you're not, yeah. you're not even growing up at that point, you're, right. you had just moved out maybe, you had just got a good job, and you know, no one, there's not a single young person around that age that's never just said, yeah, fuck, I can't you know, I got to get out of this or what do I got to do? Or mm-hmm. maybe it's fake and like, maybe it ain't, it's a false positive yeah. or whatever. Um, and so when that happened and you talked to him and then you just, obviously you decided not to, um, was that a, how did that work with the, the guy that you were dating or you were just broken off with? Um, well, we got back together um, cause, oh God, um, 
so whenever I realized, oh, yeah, take that out. Yeah. When I realized her father didn't want to be a part of it, I was like, well, I just kind of, I blocked him and stuff. And then I told the guy I just gotten back with that I was pregnant. And he was scared to death, too. Uh, and he pretty much said the same thing the other guy did. And I'm telling you what, I've never felt, like, so unwanted in my life. I mean, at that time, I had three kids with my ex-husband. And I didn't want to have multiple baby daddies, you know, but here I am. So, um, I kept it a secret, praying that she was his. And like I said, I, I was using till I was seven months pregnant and I almost got caught, but I didn't. And, uh, I quit that day that I was pulled over out of fear. It wasn't because of the baby right. that I quit. I was scared that I was going to look bad. Yeah. That's that's the mindset you're in, you know, whenever you're strung out like that. And now I used to really look down on women who used while they were pregnant until I was already strung out, then found out I was pregnant. And I, all I could keep saying was, I'll quit tomorrow. I'll quit tomorrow. Well, tomorrow was seven months later, and I swore that I wouldn't pick it up again. I was going to change. I was going to be a better mother, um, a better girlfriend. And so after she was born, two days later, I got more. Um, and I know when, you know, they check the baby's poop in the hospital. Well, I was praying, like, whenever I first had her, when she came out, she shit everywhere. Oh, wow. And in my mind, I'm like, yes, you know. And then um, the boyfriend had to go somewhere to, he was going to go fill out some papers for insurance and all that, and nobody was in the room with me. Well, the nurses kept saying, hey, um, if, if she poops while she's up here, call us up and we'll come get the sample and sitting there praying that she poops in the room with me and she did and I took that diaper and I balled it up and I put it at the bottom of my bag so when she pooped again it, I mean I assumed that it was never detected because they never come after me but when I realized that you know, she had passed the test or whatever that instantly goes back, okay, I got away with it, you know. So started doing it again. And that's whenever the shoplifting started and all right, that. Right. But uh, my boyfriend, um, I honestly thought she was his when she came out because she looked, to me, she looked like his sister's baby pictures mm -hmm. that I saw. And I'm like, holy shit, you know, maybe she is his, so I don't have to say anything. Well, the older she got, the more she started changing. And um, after I 
got arrested, went to treatment. I, uh, hit the boyfriend's dad brought her to visit me. And from a good ways away, I could see her. And instantly I'm like, yeah, uh, her daddy's the other guy. Like she, her eyes, the way they're shaped, they sh- looks just like him. And I was like, damn it. And uh, wow. so I told my counselor, I was like, look, uh, I think he's going to come with his dad and her next time. And I'm feeling the need to tell him. She's like, you don't have to do that right now. And what I told her was, well, if I wait till I get out and I don't have y'all there to support me, I'm probably going to go get fucked up again because of the the reaction I thought I was going to get. And the anxiety. Yes. We were outside talking. Um, apparently someone had told him that my drug dealer had been coming to his house and I was probably screwing him for drugs. And I said, okay, I'm being completely honest with you now. That never happened. I said, but I do have something else to tell you. And started crying and I was like, just blurted out, she's most likely not your baby. And he was very very cool about it um it hadn't hit him yet um but he he was shocked looking and before they left he hugged me and he said please get clean for these kids and I was like I'm gonna do my best and after I got out I went to visit her well he had time to stew on it and at that point I was scum of the earth totally understandable um, and I was like, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I don't know what else to say. It's so easy to say, I'm sorry, you know, um, but he, after I told him that he asked who the father was and stuff and I told him and, uh, he got a hold of him and his parents and through the courts, the parents got custody of her, the grandparents. And uh, at first, when they met me, oh, none of us liked each other. It was just, it was weird. The circumstances yeah. were awful. And I, um, the agreement was after I was, after my supervised visitations, I would get her uh, on the weekends. Well, I'd, we agreed that, because uh, since I was so about to pop with my fifth child, Sonny, um, she was like, well, we can hold off till after you have the baby and blah, blah, blah. And so she started staying the night on the weekends, and the agreement was, was even on my weekends, I had to bring her to church. So I would take her to church, and I would leave and go to my meeting and then go back and pick her up. And then one day I was like, why don't I go to church with my child, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe our relationship will get better. And it did. Like I joined the church. We all cried up there together. And, um, I mean, they, I don't know if they 
fully trust me right now. Like, I, I'd like to say they do. Um, but our relationship has grown. I, I never thought we'd be this close. Like, they actually watch Sunny for me sometimes whenever I go to a treatment center and speak. And that right there, to me, that's huge. You know, they look at Sunny like she's their granddaughter too. Yeah. I think it's just the acceptance of the, uh, of the sibling of their grandchild. I mean, that's, yeah. And, and you know what? And I really think it's because they respect how you're doing and what you're doing. And, it's not like you're just dropping them off to go hang out with your friends. You're actually exactly. going and speaking and doing what you're doing to, uh, to, you know, to maybe help other people or, you know, or people who are currently going through it. So it's not like they're uh, <clears throat> they're just babysitting for no reason. Yeah. Um, I mean, just the whole story from the beginning to the end until now, like, what is – I know you've learned so much because now things are so much different and relationships were able to be rebuilt slowly now slowly and very and with caution i'm gonna say Mm -hmm. um the things that you went through early on and what you're presently at and everything that's been able to come to pass and everything is just kind of it's not such a it's not such a menace right now like your life isn't just completely scattered everywhere it's you you got a group of you know family here a group of family here you're you know you're all are working together with each other you're co-parenting it seems like it, it's, it's going really really well um from your drug use till now what is what is probably the best advice you can give if you were talking to your five year ago self like what was one of the probably the best advice you probably would have gave yourself to make yourself listen I mean, because only, we only know each other. Like, we know ourselves enough to say, if I was to talk to Jay six six years, six years ago, you know, Jay from the past, I would say this right here, and knowing, I know I would listen if I, if I heard this. Like, is there, you know, maybe anything you could have told yourself? Hmm. That's actually a hard one. Yeah. Um I know whenever I went to rehab, uh, I was happy to be there, mm-hmm. but there was a couple things that happened that made me just want to leave. Yeah. And they always say, keep coming back and don't quit before the miracle happens. Yeah. That miracle took a long time mm-hmm. for me, but it happened. And I don't know. I, um, well, you see all the hard things you had, you know, because they always say, oh, the storm, it's, it's always calmer after before. No, what's that? It's always gets harder before it gets better. And so it was one situation after another. But the way I think the way you handled all these other situations has been way better than it was when you were using. So, yeah. you know, I think that's why you were able to mend some of these um, relationships that you have with uh, the other parents and the grandparents and the other families because they're not dealing with you know, five year ago, you, they're dealing with someone who's trying, who's actually trying. Who's got her shit together yeah, who's for the got first time in ever. Yeah. And see, people have to have support. I, I don't, even, even the other people, uh, other girl, her name was Rachel. Um, she was saying to her, you know, she was, you know, all oh, his family help, my family help. You know, we were always there. You know, if you want to talk, his, his support buddies from the group would help. Sometimes, 
you know, people have to have that. Not saying that they're not strong enough to do it by themselves, but it just helps. Yeah. Um, to do it by yourself, it's got to be tough, super tough on yourself because you don't have someone there pep talking you. Yeah. You have to tell yourself, like, you got to get this shit right and I got to get my shit right, you know. So, I mean, what a what a crazy story. Crazy, crazy story. What a great outcome. And, you know, on top of that, too, because not a lot of people and there's a bunch of people who weren't that fortunate believe it or not who can bounce back from what you bounce back from with the relapses and everything that you went through in jail and you know and you know with the kids and the relationships and everything that you've kind of mended back like like seriously don't forget like all that happened because you mended all that back you know what i'm saying your efforts all the good things and all the trying you did i mean i really think that god was like you know what I'm going to make this happen because she's worked on it. It's, there's a difference between someone who doesn't give a fuck and will yeah. literally get away with it, feel like they're entitled to great things, and keep doing the same behaviors and and just, oh, why? Why is this working out for me? It's because, like, I mean, really, realistically, nothing good is going to come from someone who's deceptive. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, if you're a deceiving person, it's never going to work out. Um. Thank you so much for coming and talking to me about it. what a seriously what a great great story and thank you for being so open about it because it's it's truly not easy. It's not it can be easy because I mean I'm sure you've told your story numerous times and to me if I was going to relive anything that if that was in my life that was tough I would tell myself it's a it was a constant reminder. Yeah. Okay. And with you dealing with the stuff with your kids and everything. Like, that was my fear because a lot of people, when I have them, I've, I've wanted to have this discussion with people who were dealing with it. And they say, you know, I mean, I really just don't want to talk about it. I don't want to. I just, it, it drags up too much memories. I don't want to remember certain things. I've suppressed things that I don't want to talk about. And I have to respect that because I don't know how far they've come to get to where they're okay now with what they did back in the yeah. past. So you being so open with it and being completely transparent and not, holding back any details and stuff like I really I, I do appreciate that and I really think that when people listen they're going to have a, a general perspective on what's in the mind of someone who's really going through it you know um I appreciate you coming in um this is let's discuss it podcast it'll be on spotify apple podcast and um I think we're on anchor now so just uh, tune in and uh, we'll see y'all next time <laughs>